Please join me in prayer. God, give me now the eye of the eagle that I may see clearly into the hopes, the joys, the fears, and the sorrows of your people. Weave my hand to the gospel plow and tie my tongue to truth. We long to hear from you, the still speaking God, in our midst. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, this has been a very uh, heartbreaking uh, week, uh, a very tough uh, week for us as a country, a tough week for us as a world, and a tough week for us um, as, as Christians. Earlier, Susan uh, read the Genesis scripture uh, for us about the covenant that God creates with uh, Noah and with the earth and with all uh, of humanity. Uh, but just like the cross, just like Easter, you can't get there without going through Good Friday. And so it's, we hear the end of the story of what happens after God has flooded the world, according to this story, that there is a covenant that is set up. But we have to go all the way back to Genesis 6 and to hear uh, these words where God says that a great wickedness, that there's a great wickedness of the people of the earth, that the thoughts in their heads fashion nothing but evil. Yahweh was sorry. Some translations say, say that God was broken hearted, that humankind had been created on earth. It pained God's heart, this translation says. And Yahweh said, I will wipe this human race that I have created from the face of the earth. Not only the humans, but also the animals, the reptiles, the birds of the heavens. I am sorry I ever made them. But it was Noah who indeed found favor with God. Later it says, it was clear to God that the world was corrupt and full of violence. And God looked on the earth and saw that it had gone to ruin. That all flesh had defiled and it needed to be wiped away from the earth. And so God told Noah that that is indeed what he was going to do. And so he goes on to tell Noah to build an ark and it gets into a whole lot of specifics about how to build an ark. But that is what happens before we get to this place where God says, now I create my covenant with my people. Now I will put a rainbow in the sky. God was broken hearted. God was broken hearted by the wicked, wickedness of the, that generation. God was broken hearted by the violence of that generation. And according to this story, God's reaction or response was to flood the earth and to kill off all humanity and only Noah was protected. Yet, God's heart that was broken is transformed in the end. God then says, 
I will never do this again. According to what Susan says, I read earlier, I established my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood and never again shall there, there be a flood to destroy the earth. God in this story is transformed. God in this story, out of God's own heartbreak, is transformed. We have focused a lot on this story about Noah and about how the people were laughing at Noah for building the ark and how people were, you know, drowning and dying and about all the animals going two by two. We looked at this story from every angle except for one angle. The angle we have not looked at it from is from God's angle. God who is heartbroken over the violence and the, the depression and the oppression and the fear that is created by humanity. From God's own angle, God's heart is broken. We haven't looked at that part of the story. We haven't looked at that part of the story where God then responds by trying to do away with all of it. Has anybody this week wanted to do away with all of it? God wanted to do away with all of it. And when the story says after God has done away with all of it, God is transformed in the end. It says, whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe that response wasn't the right response. If God can be transformed, what is wrong with us? God is transformed and says, no, that is not the right response. What is the right response is that I establish a covenant of love, of justice, and of peace. I will not do that thing I did before. I will not do that again. God's heart was broken, responded, and then there was a result, a covenant that God would always be with us no matter what. And so it is through that covenant, it is through that heartbreak that I say to us that we look and see our own heartbreak countless times. Heartbreak over the children who have been mowed down, shot in the supposed safety of their own schools in Florida, in Sandy Hook. That we look at all of the heartbreak and the violence that is happening around us. All of the gun violence, from the hoods to the schools, everywhere around us. Our own heartbreak that exists we have gotten so numb to the fact, some of us probably aren't even aware that we are still at war and have been at war for, all, I don't know, almost 20 years now. God's heart is breaking and so is our heart breaking. It is easy to just say, let's just tear it all down and do away with all of it. What is our response and our action to be? We could be cynical, because Facebook posts, I tell you, just 
about where we are at this formula. Walk off. We could be cynical and disconnect. We could say it's not our problem. We could just say, well, you know, statistically speaking, I shared this with Jay yesterday, statistically speaking, nothing like this would ever happen to me. Those students thought that when they got up and went to school that day too. It could, it can. And so our heartbreak should do something besides just cause us to say, well, they'll figure it out. They'll elect the right people, or when it's enough pain, then something will change and something will be, will be fixed. What does our heartbreak do? Consider somebody else's heartbreak. In your Mark text today, I saw something that I hadn't quite seen before, and I read about it in another commentary later. Jesus, before he begins his ministry, read in the text, he was baptized, and you know, the sky opened, you heard the story, and you are my own, my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. And then the spirit, according to Mark, drives Jesus out into the wilderness. But get this, the text says, now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God, saying, the time is fulfilled, the reign of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. According to this text, it wasn't Jesus' baptism that had him start ministry. It wasn't his roaming in the wilderness and being tempted that started his ministry. This text says, now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news. The baptism did not move Jesus to ministry to proclaim the good news. Being in the wilderness did not move Jesus to go proclaim the good news. John's arrest moved Jesus to go proclaim the good news. That movement that was happening was a movement that was raising up people, that was helping people, that was ministering to people, and the leader of that movement was arrested. Looks like Jesus said, I have had enough. It's time for me to now go and do something. It is time for me to now open my mouth and say something about this situation and fix it. It is time for me to go and proclaim the good news. So it is out of heartbreak that an action happens for God. It is out of heartbreak that an action happens for Jesus. So to us, I ask, what are we going to do with our heartbreak? Are we going to go somewhere and cry in the corner? Are we going to go somewhere and give up? What are we going to do with our heartbreak? Is it going to move us to proclare the good news to a generation that thinks that violence is the only way for us to exist? 
isn't going to move us to proclare the good news that we are all created as one and connected to each other. There is no separation for me or you. Isn't going to move us to proclaim the good news in, in neighborhoods that are being gentrified and people are being kicked out of their homes. Isn't going to move us to proclaim the good news in the midst of gun violence that, I don't know, a 17-year-old shouldn't be able to get a hold of an AR-15. Isn't going to move us to proclaim the good news that that is just not who God has called us to be. Amen. What and when will we be moved? In every generation, there is a call of God. Even in this story, God, the writer says for Noah, it was a wicked generation. Even in the Mark Gospel, Jesus has to step up and go proclaim the good news in the midst of all of that oppression. Remember, go way, way back before all of this, back over there in Egypt, where someone else had to be moved to go proclaim the good news, to go down to Pharaoh's house to say, let my people go. Remember all the times that the Israelites were carried off into exile, not once, but twice. The Babylonians, the Persians, generation after generation after generation, God's heart breaks, humanity's heart breaks, but that heartbreak should not paralyze, it should mobilize. Things only move forward after the heartbreak is then moved to create some kind of action. We cannot rest in the heartbreak. We have to move and proclaim the gospel. Amen. Even later in Jesus' time, Rome, all of the corrupt, I can let me put it in easy terms, people losing their farms, losing their lands, being sold off into slavery because they took out too many payday loans. That's right. That's right. That is the ministry and the time in which, gospel, in which Jesus emerges. So the corruption and the suffering was there then, and something was done. The corruption and the suffering, I don't want to disconnect it from our own, when it was time for us to declare independence from Great Britain, that was suffering, there was an injustice. Somebody's heart had to break to be moved. Then later, when somebody said, this slavery thing is just not right. Hundreds of years, slavery in the transatlantic slave trade, someone's heart was breaking, but then people were moved to do something. So I'm not telling you this to make you depressed. I am not telling you this to say, woe is me. What I'm telling you is, take your heartbreak and go do something with it. Don't just lay it aside and say, oh, well, that's the way it is. Take your heartbreak and do something with it. Ecclesiastes says there is nothing new under the sun. Guess what? It's just our time to get out there and do something. Yes. It's just our generation to rise up and say, hell no, this is not going to stand. It is just simply our time. So don't let the heartbreak paralyze you from mobilizing to go proclaim the gospel, to move out and do something to change this world. God, according to this covenant that is set up with Noah, 
is with us. The process theologians will put it this way because we all we all suffer with this concern about you know how powerful God is and, and why won't God just crack open the sky and you know make us all one color and make us all one and get rid of all poverty why won't God just do that but this story from Noah teaches us that God can be heartbroken too and the process theologians would say that God suffers right along with us. That God is pain and disturbed right along with us. But how much more is God's heart broken when we don't even do anything with our own heartbreak? When we have the ability to do something. God is with us in the midst of all of this. A God whose heart, who breaks just like ours and is moved to create a covenant, is calling us to use our heartbreak, our disappointment, to be moved to make the world a better place, to reduce the violence. We are all called, whether you have children or not, to leave this planet a better place than which we found it. That is all of our callings. That is all of our purpose. May we live up to this high calling in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.